Okay, um, so let's just pause here. Again, hot button issue. And we're going to talk next week about sexuality and how God designed sexuality and why God designed it that way. But uh, at this point, I just want to say something in general comment is that in the Bible, sex is a lot more than just what happens in the bedroom or what happens physically. Uh, It's an expression, and we know this, it's an expression of desire. It's an expression of our heart. And so we can use our sexuality in a way to glorify God. Look at what he says at the end of uh, at verse 20. So glorify God in your body. You can use your body and your sexuality to glorify God. Or you can use it in a way to express autonomy from God. And, and rejection of God. Because it's a great indicator of what's going on in the heart, in the soul. It's this area of life, how we behave and how we think in this area of life is a symptom of our relationship to God. Now, I just want to quote something else that Rachel Gilson said, the lady that I quoted at the beginning. And the reason I'm quoting her is because um, she's a, a Christian leader. She's been married for over a decade to a man. But before, before she met Christ, she was living a gay lifestyle. And I just want to quote what she says here in this article. She said, I learned after meeting Christ, sex wasn't something God discovered and then fenced about with arbitrary restrictions. Oh, my goodness. What are these human beings doing here? No, that wasn't the case. I've got to create some rules and get some fences around this. No, God designed sexual expression. And she goes on and she says, it's something that he made to teach us and to bless us. But she was struggling with these same sex feelings. So how does she deal with this as a Christian? She said, when his teachings went against my instincts, denying my desires became a profound way of saying to Jesus, I trust you. When my desires... When my instincts went against what Christ and Scripture says, denying my desires was a profound way of saying to the Lord, I trust you. And, and that connects to the overall point I'm trying to make. When we understand who Jesus is, this is she'd gotten to this point and what he had done for her. She said, I trust you in this area of my life. So this is a this is a story that you won't hear in popular media and popular culture. This kind of story is not permitted. For all of our celebration about diversity and different ideas, these stories don't get out in the public. But this is a true story. And there are others like it. I know people personally who could say similar things um, about how this area became an area of, of obedience to Christ. And it was a struggle and it was difficult. But for all of us, no matter where we're at, it's an area of obedience to Christ. Now, uh, lest... I uh, get accused, as many preachers do, of just harping on one kind of sin. If we follow the Apostle Paul and we read him carefully, he doesn't permit us to do that, to talk about just one kind of sin that's incompatible with the kingdom of God. The second list here has to do with sins of materialism. 
and sins of injustice and of harming other people, of harming ourselves. When he says, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. A reviler is somebody who abuses other people verbally. A reviler is somebody who denigrates other people with their language. They tear them down. And that is uh, incompatible with the kingdom of God. A reviler is somebody who stirs up strife and conflict through quarreling and verbal abuse. And that is completely inconsistent with life in the kingdom of God. What right do we have as servants of the king to denigrate another person, no matter how different they are, who's made in the image of God? We don't have that right. uh, James, the brother of Jesus, says this in James chapter 3. He says, the tongue is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father. And with it, with our tongue, we curse people who are made in the image and likeness of God. From the same mouth comes blessing and cursing. Brothers, this should not be. This ought not to be so. So, do we curse other people? Do we verbally abuse other people? Do we denigrate people who are different from us, different race? If we do, we're in danger of becoming a reviler. And that's not compatible with life in the kingdom of God. And Paul says people who cheat others out of money, swindlers, that's not compatible with life in the kingdom of God. People who practice these things will not inherit, he says, the kingdom of God. Very strong stuff. But let's hear it as a warning to us coming from a place of concern about the state and destiny of our souls. Because that is where Paul is coming from. Now, let's just look at this list one more time and ask ourselves, am I tempted in any way in, towards these behaviors? Or am I tempted to excuse these behaviors? Have I been deceived? Have I bought some of the propaganda, if you will, of the the world's messaging and saying, you know what, everybody does this and it's okay and and I I can live this life and be okay spiritually? Paul says, don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. Heed the warning and 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 repent and turn back to God. So that's the tough stuff. (laughs) But then here is the good news. Once again, Paul reminds them of what God has done for them. They're they're no longer part of that kingdom. They've been transferred to another kingdom. Verse 11. And such were some of you. These ungodly practices, some of you were or were in those practices, doing those practices. But God has washed you. He says you were washed. You were sanctified. Sanctified means to be made holy or to be set apart for a holy purpose of God. And God reached into your life and set you apart for a holy purpose. And you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Justified is a legal term. It means God, the judge, the holy God has declared you right with him. You are justified. You are made right in the eyes of God based on what he has done for you in Jesus Christ. 
and by the spirit of God. And, and, and so he says, such were some of you. And I'm sure as we think about this list, we can say, yeah, uh, I've been there. I've, I've done some of those things. But God in his grace has washed me and sanctified me and justified me. Praise his holy name. One thing that we can say to to non-Christians and people who are interested in Christianity, but but they they have stereotypes about Christians or or they they have uh, preconceived ideas about Christians and what we believe and why we believe it. And so there's barriers there. One thing that we can say and one thing I think we must say is we've been there. We've been there. We understand the struggle. And it's okay to come here with your struggles and with your questions. Because we've been there. And we still stumble. And we still fill the pool. I think it's okay for us to say it. I like what Tim Keller says, a pastor in New York. He says, the church should be, feel more like a waiting room for a doctor than the waiting room for a job interview. You know when you go into a job interview and you want to look perfect, say the right things, the resume needs to be perfect. You put yourself forward as a person who's completely competent and competent. But in the doctor's waiting room, everybody's there for the same reason. We need help. We, we are sick. We're broken. And, and, and that's, that should be the, the tone of the church. We're all here to, to be healed. We're all here to be restored. We're all in different phases of healing and wholeness in these different areas of life. So we can say we've been there. We, we, still, we still struggle. We still stumble. I, I don't think when Paul says, uh, it gives this list, it's a, it's a one-strike-you're-out policy. Not at all. <laughs> uh, or we'd all be in trouble, I think. This is not a one-strike-you're-out list, I don't think. I think Paul is talking here about a lifestyle. Those who practice these things. A lifestyle that is... Uh, is forming a character that is moving away from God in a, in a rebellious fashion. And Paul is saying, this is not who you are. Remember, this is not who you are. Remember what the triune God has done for you. He's called you into his kingdom to live this new kind of life. But don't be deceived. Don't, don't be deceived by those who say, you know what? It doesn't matter to God the kind of person you're becoming. It doesn't matter to God the way you treat other people. It does matter to God. There's a way of life that leads to death. And there's a way of life that leads to true life, eternal life. And that is the life of the kingdom of God. That's the life that he's graciously brought us into. So let's continue to follow him in this life. Amen. Lord, we humble ourselves before you because uh, because when we read these words of your apostle, we, if we're honest with ourselves, uh, have to say, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. And help us to... Um, 
live our life in a way that pleases you and to commend the faith in such a way that makes it clear that we are not coming from a position of perfection, but of one beggar to another who has found the bread of life. Help us as a church to develop that kind of character. Help us as individuals to be humble before you and to be grateful that you have washed us and sanctified us and justified us out of your sheer mercy. We give you praise in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Amen.